All right. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast series by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about all things personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Your hosts today are Matt, Michael, and myself, Callan. And today we're going to be talking about finding your inner circle. So some of the answer or some of the questions we're going to be diving into and uh, discussing is going to be who are your top five people? Um, and by that, I mean, you know, the ones that you can always count on. Um, and then why having an inner circle is so important. And also what you can do to find your inner circle today. So that's what we're going to be discussing on today's podcast. Next Thursday, we'll be continuing that discussion in the Gay Men's Brotherhood Zoom Hangouts, where you'll have your chance to share your own experience around today's topic. So we do those bi-weekly every other Thursday if you're a part of our free Gay Men's Brotherhood Facebook group. Uh, before jumping in, let's read one of the reviews from our members because we're starting to implement uh, reading reviews. So if you want to, make sure you go into the show notes um, and write a review for us and we'll maybe read it out on one of the podcasts. So this one is from Stephen and Stephen writes, the Gay Men's Brotherhood was a lifesaver during the pandemic and quarantine and has continued to enhance and enrich my personal growth and development every day. I love the bi-weekly Zoom hangouts and podcasts. I'm glad they added an additional Gay Men Going Deeper membership program for those really interested in connecting with ourselves with weekly Zoom meetings and educational videos on numerous growth topics relevant to gay men. Oh, I love that. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> Speaking of the Gay Men Going Deeper membership, we are opening the doors to the membership tonight. Yes, tonight it is opening. I'm going to be hosting and Matt and Michael will be there as well. And we'll be doing an info session at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And that will give you all the details on what the membership is, how it can help you on your personal development journey, and a bunch of other good stuff. I'll also have a special surprise for only those that attend live. So there will be a surprise, but you must attend live. So if you want to come to that, get yourself on the wait list, which you can find in the link in today's show notes, or go to gaymengoingdeeper.com and click on the wait list option to sign up. So without further ado, let's move on to today's topic of finding your inner circle. All right. So I love this topic because Brene Brown always talks about like your top five people, how she has like this little itty piece of paper that she has five names on and that they are like her core circle. They are her people. So when I think about this for myself, I didn't realize that I didn't have this for basically ever. <laughs> like I always had close friends. I always had good people but I didn't feel that support of like that network of like really those five people. Like if I were to like end up on the street, I could call them. Any one of them would let me crash on their couch, would like give me shelter, would help me out in a pinch, would be there if I needed to call at three in the morning and cry to them. Um, those are kind of the core people. And it wasn't until I joined the Gaiman's Brotherhood and Matt invited me in and then Michael and we all kind of came together and Reno back then, of course. And I started to realize I was just like, oh, hey, this is this is really cool. And then we started moving and progressing. And the group started growing and all these things started happening. And I was just like, holy crap, I'm making so much more progress in my own life inadvertently just through being close to these guys. And then over the last, you know, 
it's been over a year, what year and a half now of like us being together. You guys are truly like some of my best friends now. Like I know that if shit hit the fan, I could call Michael because he lives down the street. Or if I really am in an emotional spot and I was just like, oh God, I, I need support. Like I could call Matt and be like, Matt, help me. And it's so important to figure out who these people are on your list. And, and I have, you know, two other best friends, one over in Dubai and my other one, um, and down in, um, in Sydney in Australia right now. And I just think like, I'm so grateful to have this list because without it, I, I didn't have it for so long. I didn't realize how much I was struggling. Like I thought I was fine. And then once I was shown a different way, I went, Oh, Oh, I wasn't fine. Like I was fine, but I wasn't, I wasn't in a good, good space. And so now having this kind of like group of people who I can count on and lean on has been absolutely life-changing. And I bring it all to Brene Brown, kind of like highlighting it and being like, Hey, these are the people you can count on. And also they're the people who have earned your trust. They're the people who if you're in a vulnerable spot and you need honesty, but you need that honesty with compassion, these are the people you call. These aren't the people that you put shit on Facebook and you're like, hey, I have a question or hey, somebody help me out because trolls live everywhere. These are the people who have earned that respect, who have earned that trust, who have earned that spot in your life that it's like if the world is throwing shit at you, you can go to these five people and be like, okay, shit's hitting the fan. Is there truth here? I need you to be honest, but I need you to be compassionate with me. And I think that that's really an important key part here because so many people, I feel like a lot of people out there aren't letting the right people be those people. And they're just kind of like, oh, these are my friends. They're going to be honest. And it's like, but have you really gone there? Have you gone to those spaces to cultivate that relationship that you know, bitch is going to keep it real with me and I'm going to keep it real with them. But we also complete, like have deep love and trust and compassion with each other. Um, so I'm really interested in what you guys have to say. And I think I shall, I shall pass it off to Matt me okay yeah yeah lots lots came up just in your share there for me um i definitely resonate with you callan in the sense that this is new this is fairly new like i've always had lots of friends and i've always had lots of acquaintances but i'm really learning now like what um a true inner circle looks like and how to discern um who is qualified to be in my inner circle and who isn't. Um, and I think, yeah, I'd have to kind of rewind back to being younger and being in that energy of hiding myself and being inauthentic and being inundated with shame. And I think that I, I struggled most of my life to find my, my, my inner circle because I wasn't actually being authentic to myself. So the people I was attracting, they were, <clears throat> they were meeting the needs of my ego, which was the defense mechanism from having to be vulnerable and be authentic, but they weren't meeting the needs of my heart. And I think that led to just always really feeling kind of not satisfied with my connections. And, um, that's both romantically and platonically, just not really because, and, but it was me, it was, and, but for so many years I was projecting and making other people the, the issue, but it was really an issue of incongruence. I wasn't being congruent with my head and my heart and what I wanted. Um, 
and it's no surprise that Brene Brown does work in this area because it's like, if you look at true authentic connection, the biggest barrier to that is probably shame. The second one probably being trauma and we have shame around our trauma. So it's usually one in the same. Um, and I think those two things are, are, are things I've experienced a ton of in my life and they've prevented me from connecting with people in like deep and authentic ways. And I, I remember when I was probably like early twenties, just having this like experience of being like, why do I have so many connections, but none of them go beyond like a three out of 10 in like in vulnerability and, and depth. You know, like I, I have a ton of acquaintances. I was popular in school, but it was always like this surface level because I didn't want people to see past the things about myself that I was had carried a lot of shame around, which, which being gay was probably the biggest one. Um, and then in my later years, learning about my sensitivity and, and being demisexual and these sorts of things. And those really started to put me um, in a place where I didn't want people to know these things about me. So again, I'm not being authentic. And I think the brotherhood for me was a pivotal point. Like, you know, a year ago, everything really changed for me where I started to show up and start practicing being really authentic with people in all the aspects of myself. Um, like even my shortcomings, you know, like, um, and, and even in some cases leading with those because I wanted to work with them and heal them. And I think that's when I started to have people reach out and be like, oh my God, like I'm the exact same. Like I totally relate. And, and then I think that's when my inner circle started to form. But even still to this day, like I, I'm that kind of guy, like I don't really have a top five. Like I have um, like probably a top 20, you know what I mean? Like, and, and then I have like a top two who are like my ride or die, like, you know, and even really like one, like Jackie is probably like my closest ride or die friend. And, um, and then other people would fall into kind of like a different different category of depth in the relationship. So, yeah, I think, you know, the, 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 the saying, speak your truth and attract your tribe, I just think that that is so bang on here because we need to be really congruent with who we are and authentic to who we are before and, and willing to share that before we start to see our our tribe, so to speak, become something that is really enriching and fulfilling. Yeah. What about you, Mr. Mike? Oof. Um, yeah. First of all, thanks both of you guys for starting off the conversation. Leaves, leaves a lot to think about. Um, in some cases, I think, Matt, I, I resonate with, with what you're saying about the having a lot in my in my 20s like I was it, I wasn't a very popular kid as a teenager but I don't think many of us were but as I got into my 20s and moved to Toronto and, and started living life here I did attract a lot of people acquaintances and otherwise um, but the depth of those connections were similar to what you said sort of left a lot to be desired we connected on a lot of other things partying sex men fun, whatever that is, um, which was fine. I, I had a great time. I'm not, I'm not, you know, knocking that, but what happened for me is, is, is I noticed a lot of those connections were performative on my part. So I was in a way performing to, 
to to have them sort of be in my circle like oh let me just be the person i think you want me to be that way we can be friends and if i have a lot of friends and have all these things to do and all these friends on blah 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 then it it then i'm worthy right and we all know it doesn't work that way mm -hmm. so once i became aware of that pattern and i started you know living into living into who i was and slowly dropping a lot of these people pleasing tendencies that's what i was doing let's be honest and and going more into that authentic version of me which by the way still was all the having the fun things and doing all the party stuff that's still that's still part of me and i still love it but also including hey there's a part of me that actually really loves deep meaningful conversations there's a part of me that's actually um, maybe a lot more intellectual and philosophical and spiritual than i was ever leading on for people to see and once i started doing that then yes the quantity of the connections shrunk but the depth grew much deeper and so now i'm in a space where I mean, yeah, I have, I have the, I have the five, and I was actually, it was interesting to to hear Kellen say five because I'm like, oh shit, I have to pick just five. They're they're all so different, and I think that's one of the things that I love about my my inner circle or my circle, and I mean, I wouldn't trade them in for anyone, um, but they're so fucking different. Like, there's I have the the gay party boys, and I love them, my little piggies. You know who you are. I've got uh, sort of my my straight friends who live in the burbs who have the kids and, and live that life and, and that's beautiful and wonderful i would even say i don't know if it's if it's allowed to be included but i think you know you can include biological family i'm very I'm very fortunate that i have people in my biological family that i would consider my best friend and i would i would choose them as a friend even if we weren't related um and then there's everyone in between and so you know i like surrounding myself with people who are different and and yes the same in some ways but i think it's really important that i get to see different perspectives and also i mean i think when for the listener viewer who is thinking oh you know what do i want i i forget which one of you said i think matt said qualified people who are qualified to be in your inner circle i love that i love that terminology because you really do get to decide the criteria right and i for me and this is not necessarily the case for everybody my number one criteria is love me for me you know, like I'm flawed. Sure. I have a lot of things that are not great. I know I get it, but you know, if you can find a place to, to hold me through it, to love me through it, then that's someone that I definitely want to have in my inner circle. And of course I would do the same for them. So, you know, I think, I think that's where, where I want to stop my share for now. I have a lot more to add to this, but I definitely want to want to bounce it back, but thank you uh, for, for sharing those guys. Oh yeah, for sure. They're like, I love this topic. Um, I love the the idea of like the criteria um and i never i don't think i ever thought of it like this i think like when you meet somebody and like you're like oh we're gonna be friends like we're gonna get we're gonna get along you kind of like see that energy and you feel that energy um but i'm just gonna talk about like my you know one of my best friends in the whole wide world i've known her since i lived in london in the uk in 2007 and um we've been just best friends for so long Pardon me, and we've traveled all over the world together. Like we've gone on vacations and been to different places and whatever. And the part that I love about our relationship and our connection is that like she has seen my ups and she has seen my downs. She's seen the best of me. She's seen the worst of me. And like we just we get each other. Like there, there's times where it's like when we're on holiday and like some like one of us is in a mood or something's happened we both just know it's like being in a relationship 
but there it's not a sexual energy relationship it's just like a love and friendship energy um and i also want to talk about later about how a lot of people misconstrue that energy of like best friend like especially in the gay community we misconstrue that oh this is a beautiful best friendship for oh i want to be in a relationship with this person and they that doesn't need to happen um but yeah Anne has seen me through so many things and that's where it's like one of my criteria is just like unconditional love unconditional love and compassion that it's like yes i know i'm not perfect we all know we're not perfect and we are also like for me i'm my worst critic and my worst judge and so i'm already judging myself so harshly so that when i have somebody in my life who doesn't judge me at all and literally loves me unconditionally it helps to teach me how to love myself through their eyes you know it's like oh man, I fucked this up or I did this. And then they're just like, it's okay. Give you a big hug. And they're just like, it's cool. Like, let's, you know, life happens. Nobody's perfect. And then it's just like, okay, well, I've been building this huge thing up in my head. It's really not a huge thing. And they're loving me through this. So if they can love me through this, I can love myself through this as well. And even though, you know, love, self-love does come from the inside, having those moments teach you how to love yourself from the inside. Um, if you aren't quite there yet, it, you know, sometimes we do just need other people to love us through our shit so that we can learn how to do it ourselves. That's why it's like having close friends or having mentors or having people who have done it before who have gone through it can help teach you how to get there faster. Um, but when you, I noticed in the, especially in the gay community, we lock ourselves off a lot. We put up the walls because I think maybe, um, a lot of it comes from like, if you have like a very closed off family, like if it's not a very loving or open family, and then also if you didn't have a stable family unit, so that your first introduction into your core people, your, you know, your connected people, if that wasn't a good relationship, if that wasn't a good time, like myself, that was a very bad time for me <laughs> growing up, I learned not to allow people to have those connections because those connections equaled pain and those connections equaled loneliness and upset and frustration and anger. Um, but I'm so glad I gave myself, you know, opportunities to get over that and move through that, especially here with the GMB and you guys, like it's been a journey for me to open up and to allow you guys to come in a little by little and more and by more and more, because there was so much damage done in my past that it's going to take a lot of love and a lot of compassion to kind of unlearn that. And that's what I've been using this as is like a, an unlearning kind of tool and a new learning tool in order to re like really understand, Oh, this is what healthy relationships are. This is what healthy friendships are. You know, having a disagreement and butting heads doesn't mean that we don't love each other and we don't have compassion. It just means that sometimes you're going to butt heads and that that can actually evolve the relationship and grow it and it can take it to a deeper place whereas before I would avoid that shit like the plague I was like no confrontations like I wasn't afraid of confrontation on the surface level like I'm very happy to stand up for myself and like stand in my power in regards to like work and beliefs and other things but that was not with people who were deeply and closely like in my circle that was like outside people that's fine but when it's somebody's on your inside circle I've just had situations and friendships where that serious shit happened and then they leave because they can't handle it. 
And then I'm left thinking, okay, well, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm not going to let people in. I'm not going to let allow people to hurt me like that again. And there's no guarantees in life. Like that's what life is. It's a series of those relationships. And sometimes they last for lifetimes and sometimes they don't. But I had to realize that by keeping myself closed off to all those possibilities, I was not only closing myself off to the bad ones, I was closing myself off to the good ones. And that the only way I was going to be able to like have those relationships and, and have like healthy relationships in my life is if I allowed those walls to come down and to start learning those lessons again and to start stumbling and scraping my knee and fucking up, but doing it with the right people who, you know, it may be for life, it may not be for life, but I know in the energetics of it that they're good, healthy, caring, compassionate people who want to see me do well and want to see me get better. And I think that's, that's where the discernment comes in of like having the criteria, like Matt was saying of like, okay, well, who are those people? Who do I want those people to be in my life? And what is that criteria? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, there's like, there's a few things that came up in your sharing. Um, it reminded me of a story that I can share. So um, it, what you said, Callan, that made me, that stimulated this was that your, your walls going up and let, not letting people in, um, to love you, but also not letting people in to hurt you. Like you're, you're, you're benefiting or you're, you're trying to keep one away, but you're also keeping away the other, the, 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 the good juicy yumminess of, of connection is also being kept out. And I, it reminds me of, a, of when I was probably about 24, 25. Um, I always had this thing. I always would blush as a kid and I hated it. I absolutely hated it because it would expose my inner experience to everybody and they would know what was going on externally it's like the worst thing in the world okay and um, I remember I, I was so almost traumatized by this happening to me um, that I, I sought out a therapist and it was one of the first times that I ever sought out a therapist other than like you know when I was a kid and my parents divorced and blah 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 that's when I started my journey my, my spiritual path started around the age of 24 and it was all because of I started working with this this therapist and started doing work around vulnerability. That's the same time I found the Brene Brown book, um, Gifts of Imperfection. And I started to really work with what this was. And what it was is it was this, my body's way of communicating to me that I wasn't honoring an inner experience, right? And my inner experience is my authenticity. And I was trying to show the world one version of me, but the other version, my true essence was trying to emerge, but I was stifling it, which was creating embarrassment, which was a product of shame. So my body was actually expressing shame through blushing. And, um, it got so almost pathological to the point where I would be talking to somebody and we wouldn't even be talking about anything embarrassing. We would just be like, well, yeah, how was your weekend? And my face would just start going red. And it was really, I don't know, it was just really strange. So I think for me, um, this whole path of really like learning how to be authentic has been such a, a game changer for me because, um, and authentic relating, actually, but more specifically, um, you know, I've, I've, I, I, I teach authentic relating, but I took the courses and, and everything. And this is an opportunity for us to sit across from one another and share the trueness of our experience in the fullest and the depth of, of what that experience is. So it could be, you know, in the case of my face going red, 
authentic relating would teach me to talk about the the fear that I have of of being feeling exposed and bringing that forward and consciously making an effort to expose yourself and um, when I started learning this it was such a game changer for me because it allowed me the permission to just show up and be who I am and um, and then once that you know, those masks started to kind of come off slowly, very slowly, but they started to come off. That's when I allowed myself to be seen. And, and, and specifically for, for like on my YouTube channel and these sorts of things is where I'm very vulnerable and I'm, I just speak what's, what's on my heart and what's going on in my experience. And, and um, I end up attracting a lot of really cool people into my life who are very similar to me. Um, so, so, that, so that's one point. And then the other point was um, this idea of, of connection makes me extremely anxious sometimes because it has the uh, connection has the potential to, um, to hurt us. And it has the potential to feel very, very good. Right. So there's this it's still that old fear coming up of like, I want to keep out the negative and I want to bring in the positive, like you said, Callan. And um, I think now I'm able to really use that kind of qualif qualification for people and like get to the, get to that place where I'm like, okay, this is, this is the type of people that I want in my life. But what I'm noticing is that I can only attract people into my life as and, and meet me as deep as I'm willing to meet myself. And that's, that's, that's everything really. So um, on, on my path of learning how to love myself, which has been in like, seems like a never ending path. Um, the, the, the closer I get to having like true self-assurance and like self-love and like really being sure about myself and, and, and how I want to show up in this world, that's, the closer I get to that, the closer I get to the people that also can hold space for that. Because I think for so long, I was attracting people who were just a mirror of myself and they weren't loving themselves. I wasn't loving myself. So we were reflecting back to each other, a lack of love for self and a lack of love for other because of, of that kind of karmic principle. Um, and then it, it brings me to this whole notion of like the brotherhood and I see some people using the brotherhood in this really kind of magical way and like posting to attract their, their tribe or their inner circle. It's like, um, you know, people posting about like, Oh, I speak French. Who else speaks French in this group? Or, Oh, I'm highly sensitive. Who else is highly sensitive? Because what, what these people are doing is they're learning how to speak their truth, show up in the, the fullness of who they are. And then they start to form, um, a, a little group. And I think a lot of people view the brotherhood, this is a projection because I've also viewed it, viewed it like this, but like this giant group of 3,400 guys, but it's not really that it's a bunch of individuals that are collected into this big group. And we're not actually talking to 3,400 people when we're creating a post, we're talking to people who are going to resonate with our message. And that's how we end up uh, attracting more people that are like-minded. So I would really encourage people um, listening, if you're in the brotherhood to speak your truth into the brotherhood um, of what you want to attract, um, because there is definitely 
there's definitely someone out there for everybody, whether it's romantic or platonic, like we, the universe doesn't create us without a version that is compatible with us. And I think um, we got to keep that in mind. So, and that's what, what I've been doing with, with this newfound, you know, just within the last year discovering that I'm demisexual and uh, now forming a group of guys, like a men's group that we have like, whatever, like 15 guys now where we're, we're, um, we're supporting each other through something that is not, super common um in the gay community and it can easily make us feel quite isolated in the gay community and um and it's yeah it's been very therapeutic to to bring people into that that inner part of of me and allow myself to be connected to in that because it it definitely alleviates the shame around it for sure thanks matt um I wanted to touch on a point you made specifically about meeting, connecting with people at the level you can connect with yourself or along those lines. I think that's a very important point that is worth thinking about. Like really think about that. I like, we say that a lot on this podcast and we say that a lot in all, a lot of our videos and a lot of people say that, but really think about what that means because what I noticed and how it came up for me, I'll just tell you my story. So I, I, I think in the gay community, and it's not just the gay community, I think this is just a human nature thing, but my experience as a gay man is that a lot of us, and I'm generalizing here, will connect over or will bond over something like gossip or something like that is not necessarily at its highest vibe, right? And what I noticed is that there came a point where that kind of conversation for me became very unaligned. and. I just felt within myself, like I remember specifically being in a group of people with a group of people, gay men, and they were talking about, oh, this guy and dating that guy. And like, and it was just so like, it felt icky sticky to me. Like it legit just felt gross. And I had to like get myself out of it. I was having a visceral physical reaction to this, which is when it kind of hit me. Like, I don't want to talk about this stuff. Like I want to talk about ideas. I want to talk about dreams. I want to talk about philosophy. I want to talk about like the moon. I want to talk about nature. I want to talk about other things, right? And if we are going to talk about, quote unquote, those fun gay things, I'm like, let's do that. But I just, I think we need to look at what are we bonding with other people over? And is it something that you want to be bonding with them over? And does it feel good? Does it feel good to you? Or, or you know, in my case, did you kind of realize, hey, this is not the kind of things I want to be bonding over? And that's one of the reasons why when I finally um, decided to to talk to people about things like spirituality and my beliefs and I was on a path and I didn't know what I believed and I was looking for guidance and I was like what what, what is all this happening what is the universe I was asking a lot of questions and when I started asking those questions out loud and and being me about it instead of saying oh fuck if I say this they're going to ridicule me when I kind of put that aside and say okay you know what I need to find people like me so I'm going to just start talking about this stuff and I remember being at Woody's one of the bars here in um Toronto and someone I was talking to someone about like something like being a Gemini and like whatever it means to be a Gemini like hor horoscope stuff nothing crazy and somebody came over to me and it's like I'm sorry did you say you're a Gemini <laughs> and I was like yeah and he just we just got into this amazing conversation about first about horoscopes and astrology and then we started talking about books and oh there's this teacher and that teacher and then you know me and this guy are now lifelong friends since then and all because we were just talking about it out loud, something I would never really say that I, I believed much in. I was always kind of ashamed, like, oh, I'm going to get ridiculed if I say things like I believe in astrology and horoscopes. So that's just one example. And lo and behold, of course, those people showed up. 
The other thing I want to mention is it's okay to, and I think it's a good thing to reevaluate the people in your life. We don't have to keep people there just because they've been there for five, 10 years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. My best friend and I have been best friends. Well, I've been, we've known each other. We were dating and then we were best friends and so on for almost 20 years at this point. What year are we in? Almost 20 years. There came a time a couple of years ago where we both had to reevaluate our friendship. And it became very clear to me like, huh, I can't keep people around just because they've been around all my life. I've changed, I've grown. I have a new job, I have a, a new life, I have new goals. And so it's okay to evaluate these things. And then, you know, you can come to a peaceful end of a friendship as well. Uh, because when you have those endings, when you kind of put people aside, other ones will show up to meet you on your path. Hmm. Always the case, not just for me, for everyone I coach, everyone I know, when you say goodbye to something, something else will show up for you. Um, so I do want to make note of that. Now, for me and my best friend, we, we had a really good conversation and we ended up continuing our friendship. And now we're even stronger than before because we thought, hey, you know what? We like we never really had to put effort into our friendship, which is a good thing. But there are times where you kind of have to and you have to, have to say like we had the courage to say, hey, you didn't show up for me the way that I, I, I wanted you to or you really let me down in this instance, um, you know, and, and to let all that come up. Um, and when you can let that come to the surface, it comes out of the shadow, you can work with it. And hopefully, you know, you have someone who is as great as my best friend who can talk about this in a way that is non-defensive and open and with the objective to have a resolution because it's magic when that happens. And our relationship now is even, I would say, stronger mm -hmm. than it was before. So yes, I guess that's my, my final point is make sure you're, you're evaluating and then reevaluating the people who are in your life and asking yourself, are they, are they for me? Or is this something where I'm not getting the, the, the connection I want? Mm, I love that, Michael. And I'm going to piggyback off that because I've also had many people float in and out of my life. Also, I've moved all around the world multiple times. So that also naturally allowed people to float in and float out. But it also was a good determining factor of who was supposed to stay sticky. Because even though my best friend, my two best friends, one lives in Sydney, Australia, the other one lives in Dubai, they're still my best friends because that distance didn't stop us. And Anne and I go back to 2007 and, and um, Alma goes back to, when did we meet? 2016, I wanna say, 16, 17, somewhere in there, when, when we were flying. Um, and then that's how I knew, I was like, okay, the universe has really brought these people in, they became good friends, but then they stayed good friends. But in saying that, Anne and I went through a space where we didn't talk all the time. There was a time where she was in a relationship living in the UK and I was, oh, I don't even know where I was. I was maybe in New York or here in Toronto. And like, we didn't talk for a year or two. And then we naturally floated back together. And I want to just add that in there that not, you don't always have to make it a be all end all or a big thing. It just, we naturally, we were in two different places. We weren't on the same energy vibes. I was learning things, she was learning things. But then when the vibes matched up again, the universe naturally brought us back together. So it wasn't like I had closed the door on any of these relationships. It was just like a natural progression of like, cool, we just kind of slowly stopped texting more and more and it just became what it was. And then when the energy was right, we came back together. And that can be the same as 
groups of friends or people in your life now, you don't have to have a, a sit down conversation and turn it into this big thing. If you do, you feel like, hey, I need to express this before I stop talking a lot to this person and give them the opportunity to catch up to you where you are, then yes, have the conversation. But if it's a friend that you're like, oh, I don't really know, you can also just, you know, give it some space and see what happens. Because people who are supposed to stay sticky, who want to be in your life, that inner circle, they're going to make it known like, hey, we're not hanging out or hey, what's going on? Like, they're going to check in with you. Because that's what I do to my friends. And it might only be once a month. But we check in and it's just like, hey, it's been a while. You're doing okay. Let's have a phone call. Let's have a phone catch up. And that's another thing too is I don't talk to my best friends every day. They're internationally all over the world. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, every couple of weeks, every once in a while, we, we'll text a lot, but then we'll have like a, oh, you know, do we need to do a phone check-in? Do we need to have like an actual conversation? And even if a week or two goes by where we don't talk, we're not freaking out being like, oh my God, this person doesn't care about me. No, we're adults. Like you're not in my immediate circle right now. Nobody's meant to be in somebody's face a hundred percent of the time. Like we need space. And so having that breathing room to like have things happen, then come back together and you can talk about it. That's like a natural progression. If you're in a space where you constantly need this person to talk to you all the time and like it needs, like that's borderline codependency shit going on. Like if you're like, no, 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 but they have to message me every day or I have to know what's going on with them. That is codependency. That is not healthy. That is not what we are talking about here with your inner circle. It, it should have a flow and an easiness to it. And, and kind of this unshakable knowingness that it's like, yeah, they're there. I don't need to talk to them every day, but they're there. And this is also the kind of energy I also aim for in my relationships that it's like, I could go a week or two without talking to my boyfriend. And some people are going to be like, oh my God. But like, for me, if we've built to that space where it's just like, yeah, I know he's there. He's got stuff going on right now. He's really busy. I got stuff going on. I'm really busy. But when we come back together, we're like, oh my gosh, this is that, the other. There's no apologizing for not having talked for a while. There's no, you know, none of that stuff. It's just, we both understood that we're both adults. We both need the space. Stuff was going on. Maybe he had an important project or whatever. And then it comes back together naturally because it stays sticky. That's the natural progression. That's the natural flow. But if it's in that space of like, ah, oh, talk to me, I need to have it. That's, that's coming from a space of like, of codependency and also like uh i need you to love me to prove me to prove to me that i have love or that i can be loved and even though i did talk about that at the beginning where it's you know sometimes people teach us how to love ourselves there is an aspect of that but it can't be the whole it can't be the whole pie it can be a piece of the pie but it can't be the whole pie um so if that kind of thing is going on you need to look inside yourself and go okay well what do i need to work on on myself and go on this little journey and see, and then do that reevaluation. Oh, are these friends actually the ones that I want to keep in this inner circle? Or have I kind of maybe gone to a place where they're not inside as much as possible? And sometimes adults get very scared that it's like we made our friends in high school or whatever, and we can't make new friends as we get older. There's like that weird thing where it's like, no, these are my friends. I can't make new friends. I'm an adult. You can make friends at any point in your life. <laughs> I've made so many friends over my life and they've all brought such magical stuff to me um, that it's like the universe will always take care of you. You just got to believe that it will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the codependency stuff is interesting because um, I'm doing a lot of work right now in the area of emotional needs. 
and really discerning what needs I need to be meeting for myself and what needs others can be meeting for me and letting people in. And it's really fascinating because frequency of connection isn't necessarily a determinant of codependency. I think um, looking at if somebody's really anxious because they're not getting their needs met, is the friendship in alignment? You know, like if you're somebody that like, you know, you can go two weeks without talking to somebody, but somebody's not, they need a little bit more frequency in, in their connection. I wouldn't necessarily say that would be codependency. I would say it's an opportunity for um, there to be like some sort of compromise or looking at what needs need to be met. And I think that's when we look at our inner circle, I think that's what is really important is the alignment and the similarities in needs really when it comes down to it, emotional needs, like what are your emotional needs? What are my emotional needs? How can we really understand each other's emotional needs and, and look at meeting them. And I've also had that in connections before too, where emotional needs change. They they're no longer in alignment. So it requires me to reevaluate if the friendship is still serving me or the relationship is still serving me or not. Um, so I, anyways, I just wanted to make that point because I relate kind of to the other side of the coin, Callan, which you speak of being a little bit more on the requiring space, which is I'm on the more the other side of, of really wanting closeness from people. So I, I just wanted to make that point for the listeners who are probably more resonating with my my energy in that in that respect. Um, and then my final point about um, attracting connection, I wanted to because the whole the, this whole conversation, I'm really thinking about what is my criteria that I put on people? Like, what do I want? What do I want to surround myself with? And it's so fascinating how my criteria has morphed so much in the last few years. But even more specifically, like I think about my criteria as a teenager or in my early 20s, and it was like I wanted them to be attractive. <laughs> I wanted them to be successful fit, like all these things were my criteria. I didn't really care about certain aspects of depth and whatnot. And I think I see this a lot in the gay community, how you see pockets of people, you know, you go to the beach or the club and you see these guys and there's like 10 guys that are white and ripped and all hanging out with each other. And it's like, I wonder what the criteria is to get into that inner circle. You know what I mean? And that's, I think what a lot of people have a problem with in the gay community is that we're, we're, we're leading with our ego when we're seeking out connection because we want to portray an image. And I think this whole notion of coolness becomes a disruptive factor when we're looking at how we want to create connection because something dramatically shifted when I around 24, 25, when I went through this awakening period where I, I, I started to learn about my depth and connect to it. And it's amazing how my circle changed because I started hanging out with like older women, like in their fifties and sixties. And I have a lot of really close friends that are, that are those types of women. And I connect with them so well. Um, I have friends who are obese. I have friends who are straight. I have friends who are, who are completely, they don't fit the cookie cutter that I wanted to connect with before. And I just think I wanted to, to present that to people because as we, we mature, so does um, the criteria that we have for attracting people. And I think the gay community can only be served by us being more open to differences and looking at somebody and say, you know what, by how they look, the outside of the book cover, it's, it doesn't look like somebody I'd get along with. But when you sit down with that person, you realize that your heart is so 
similar to their heart. And it doesn't matter what the outside package looks like. The hearts are connecting. And that's where we really get um, that, that yumminess, the juiciness of connection comes from when two hearts are connecting. And um, this has been a massive learning for me in the last while. And um, if you were to take my 20 people in my circle and look at them all, like Michael, they're all so different. It's, it's so weird uh, because they all meet some sort of need of this fragmented version of Matt. Like I have all these fragments that I've put out into the world and somebody's connecting with a piece of me. And, and that's the, that's the string that bonds us, um, our hearts is, is that one fragment that I've put out into the world. Um, so yeah, just, be more open-minded. We need more open-mindedness in the gay community to connect with people that you might not think you want to connect with. But when you do, it's very fulfilling. Um, yeah, off the heels of that, I think since we have a few minutes left, I think I wanted to answer one of Callan's questions about uh, what can you do today to start uh, finding your inner circle? I think, Matt, that that's perfect. Definitely keep more of an open mind. Um, the other one that I would say is start with who you already have who's already there right and i use this basis with dating too the person that you're with is the first person to start with is the best person the one the one in front of you is the one you can start with doesn't mean they're going to stay forever doesn't mean it's going to work but it gives you an opportunity to at least practice uh connecting uh practice relating practice vulnerability so whoever you have in front of you today even if it's just one person start there start to figure out how can i how can i well first of all does this person is this person someone that i want to have in my inner circle and you know go from there um also remembering that it's a slow burn you know we tend to want to rush like oh my god i gotta go i gotta go find my person right and sometimes that happens quickly and that's awesome good for good for those people it has not worked that way with me with me i mean the first time i met all the friends i have now that have been that are in my inner circle i wouldn't have thought twice about them when i first met them besides maybe I want to fuck them, um, the, the gay ones <laughs> specifically. But, you know, like it's a slow burn, like let the relationship organically grow, but have the intention of what you potentially want. So it's this beautiful balance of intention and surrender, right? And I'm all constantly flowing between trying to make it, like trying to make it what I want it to be and also letting it be what it's meant to be. Um, so yes, it's a slow burn, you know, give yourself time, uh, the important thing is though, is, is notice when the walls come up and just, you know, question, Hey, I'm feeling a little bit triggered right now. Is this something that we can use to strengthen the relationship as opposed to just saying, you know what, I, I'm not triggered. I'm out. Bye. Right. Which is, has been a lot of my story when I was very deep into my lone wolf mentality is like, F this I'm out. <laughs> Discomfort equals Michael gone. So use the triggers, use the challenges as a way and a reason and an opportunity to get even closer. Doesn't mean you're going to stay forever, but do the inner work because the, the strategic byproduct of doing that inner work is that you get to know yourself better. Whether the person stays or goes is almost irrelevant, but you get to, you get to have that experience with yourself so that for the next person, you're like, okay, I've learned this about myself through this experience. And so now I know uh, how I, how I want to show up or what I'm, you know, you, you might create a boundary. You know, if, if you're like me and we're much of a people pleaser in, in those early days, I all of a sudden started creating boundaries. Like, wait, no, I'm not into gossip. Sorry. If we're going to just talk about gossiping all day long, I'm not here. I'm not for it. That's, and that's, that's okay. Have a lovely life, you know? 
So yeah, those are some of my tips for how to kind of find that inner circle today, answering Kellen's question. Nice. What do you guys have to say about that? Well, I was going to kind of piggyback off that. I have two things. Um, first off is starting with the people that are in your world. I, I did the exact same thing with my mom in that kind of, not in the gossip way, but she, I love my mom. Um, she's great, but I found when I was trying to create a new relationship with her, moving from our tumultuous childhood kind of just up and down patterns. And after I did my personal work, I was like, okay, I want to have a relationship with my mom, but I want it to be a different kind of relationship that I had before. And so I made a rule like boundaries of like, okay, we can't complain when we're together. There's no complaining. We can complain maybe 10%. And like, it's not complaining. It's discussing the, your frustrations. And then we either talk about things that we like or ways to change it. And like, we focus on most of it in that positive light, just because like, we had so much work to do to heal the relationship that I was like, this is what I need to do. And if you want to have a relationship with me, you have to meet these requirements. Otherwise it doesn't serve me. And, and she rose to the occasion and, and I've seen her change huge over the last like a few years. And then like Michael said, it's a journey. It's not a destination. Like that's taken at least the last decade of like really nurturing that relationship and creating those new boundaries and that healthy discussion. And it's not perfect. You know, it goes, it slips back and forth because people are complainers. Like it, it's how so many of us uh, commiserate together, but it takes a lot of conscious effort on my part to switch that so that we do have more of a positive interaction because the more we have positive interactions, the more I want to interact with her, the more I enjoy interacting. And so then it'll create that, you know, positive feedback loop. Um, the other part of that is in regards to like finding your people. Oh, what were you, what else were you talking about, Michael? I had it right here. It was so good. Um, slow burn. Yeah. Take slow time. burn. Surrender time. Surrender. Attention. No people. All of that. Um, oh, oh, oh yes. Okay. I remember. Um, is I, I saw the other day in the group, the, the gay men's brotherhood that somebody was talking about, like complaining about, oh, I, I hate this kind of music. I hate clubs. I hate bars. So like, I can't meet anybody. And I was like, well, that is true. If that's your only way of meeting people and that that's the way your brain is set. But I challenge you to find things that you enjoy. Cause if you enjoy something, chances are somebody else also enjoys it and then see what groups you might fit into in that world. Examples. I, when I first moved to Toronto, I knew nobody here nobody I knew one person and so when I moved here it was like okay well how am I going to find my people and I had to figure out okay well what do I love I really enjoy dodgeball that's super fun it's childish it's ridiculous so I looked for a gay dodgeball league and if there wasn't one I would have joined a straight dodgeball league because at least it would have had something in common um, I also was in gay men's choirs before so I was like I want to find an LGBTQ choir because I know that that is at least one thing that I will have in common with all those other people and so I found these groups that I fit into like Matt was talking about the, the, the fractions, the, the little slivers of yourself. I found those parts because inevitably within those sectors, within those areas, there would be people who I would vibe with, that I would get along with. And so it's like, okay, dodgeball people, we all love dodgeball, we all enjoy it. It gets me social, it gets me meeting new people, it introduces me to new people. 
then at the beginning, it's like, okay, are these going to be my people or are these just dodgeball people that I see? Like, but within that group, I found another group that also loves board games. And so they became my people. They became part of my circle because it was like, okay, every Thursday we're going to do board games because we just love playing board games and we love dodgeball. So it was these you know, these groupings of people and then in the choir as well. Okay. Well, we all love choir. Well, there was a group of choir people who also loved movies and one of them had a movie theater in his place. So it was like, okay, let's go to the movie theater in the apartment building so that we can all watch these movies. And so there was other aspects of me and not every group has to fit all the aspects, but that's my challenge to people is that if there's something you enjoy in life, even if it's opera, even if it's ballet, even if it's dance, even if there's so many possibilities, if you want it to be gay, look for a gay group. And if you can't find a gay group, there are straight groups and hopefully they will be welcoming. And if they aren't, or if you can't, create it yourself. There's nothing stopping you. That's what Matt did. Matt created this group because he didn't see it anywhere. Mm -hmm. We all wanted it, but nobody was making it. So we made it ourselves, mm -hmm. you know? And it takes a lot more work to do that, but you know, your life is gonna happen whether you work at it or not. So you might as well as work at it. Um, so yeah, so that's my little boop. <laughs> I have one quick thing, cause I, I know we're almost at time. Um, a trap that people can fall into and how to avoid it. Because I see this all the time. I always ask clients, I'm like, what do you, what do you want in a mate? And the first things they start listing are the things they don't want. Well, I want him, I don't want him to be this. I don't want him to be this. And I'm like, I didn't ask you that question. I asked you what you do want in a mate. Be careful of that trap because people, you know, that post a perfect example in the Gay Men's Brotherhood. I don't want this. I don't want loud music. I can't meet people. Well, why don't you start putting out posts about what you do want and watch the universe provide that, right? It's the law of attraction. So I just think that that's a, a really easy trap to, um, fall into but it's also a really easy trap to avoid once we have the awareness that we're doing it mm -hmm. so good so good <laughs> all right well today's episode was freaking magical um if you did love this episode please if you're watching on youtube give us a thumbs up and subscribe and hit that bell so you can get notified every time new episodes come out on thursdays if you're listening to this on a podcast platform say apple podcast please um hit that subscribe button and then also give us a star rating if you like it let everybody else know that you liked it and give us a review because if you write a review we might read it out on the air and um if you want to leave a review just go to the show notes there'll be a link to the reviews and if you aren't already in the gay men's brotherhood facebook group go and give us a join come and hang out with us it's full of lots of amazing guys and finally just a reminder that tonight I will be doing the info session walkthrough of the Gay Men Going Deeper membership coaching community. And Matt and Michael will also be there. We'll be answering your questions until the end. And if you stay until the end, we will have a nice big surprise for everybody, but you have to be attending live. So you can join on the wait list, uh, join the wait list for the membership and you'll get an email right before we go live to let you know. So that's it for today. I hope you have the best day ever. Peace, love, rainbows. Bye. Bye. Uh -huh.